things first. This is about truth telling. I have no agenda. Zero. I always have questions. What's the problem? That's just who I am. This is what no mercy is all about. Hey, here I come. You can book it. Ah. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Breath taking a move that I make. I give it everything I got. Cause that what it takes. I push the limit till it break. The heart of the brave. The soul of a legend with the will to be great. Hold up. Welcome. <laughs> Boy, am I pissed. I got to tell you, I'm so ticked off. I don't even know how to say this. By the way, in case you didn't know, and I know that you do, welcome to the latest edition of No Mercy with yours truly, Stephen A. Smith. This episode, as all the episodes, are being brought to you while I'm here in studio. Thanks to our official studio sponsor, FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel is the official sports betting company of the No Mercy podcast. I'm pretty pissed off because I love sports. I love competition. I love theater. And I like outcomes to be decided on the court or the field of play. I don't like officials getting in the way. I don't like league officials, referee officials. Or, you know, I, I don't like that. I don't like it. Yes, I'm getting a whole bunch of stuff today. I mean, from from stuff from Alec Baldwin to Bill O'Reilly talking about Fox News to Larry Elder talking about running for the presidency. I'm a I'm I'm a touch on all of these things, but right now, what's on my mind? I can't believe I'm going to say this is officiating. What the hell? Draymond Green should not have been suspended. I don't give a damn what anybody says. He should not have been suspended. Should not have happened. So let's get that out the way. And then Thursday night, Joel Embiid should have been ejected, but wasn't because when Nick Claxton of the Brooklyn Nets dunked on him, this brother, he stands over him. That wasn't good to do. But he he practically kicked him in in the balls. I mean, that, that is a crime. You don't do stuff like that. That should have been an automatic ejection. Somehow he stays in the game. But in the second half, when James Harden is making a basic move with Royce O'Neal draped all over his left arm and he's trying to create space for himself and he uses his shoulders and his arm to push off, which is something he customarily does. Customarily does. Not only was he called for the foul, he was ejected from the game. James Harden, who's never been known as a dirty player. James Harden, who is a star in this league, gets ejected. What the hell? And then Embiid comes into the postgame and was talking about how he wasn't ejected because the league alluded to the league knowing how important he is which will probably get him suspended for game four with Philly up 3-0. 
I, I just can't believe what the hell is going on here. And listen, somebody sent me a note. And I'm looking this up here right now. Because it's important to point out. Because the reality is, is that, hey, it's worth noting. Do you know that regular season and playoff games included? Joel Embiid has played in about 441 career games. He's had 22 flagrant fouls called against him, all of them being flagrant ones. Draymond Green, regular season, playoff games included, has played in 905 career games. Obviously, being a four-time champion, playing the six NBA finals, whereas Embiid has never even been to a conference finals. Embiid has played in 10 playoff series in his six-year career. And Draymond has played in 28 playoff series in his career. Nevertheless, did you know this? That Draymond Green has less flagrants called against him than Joel Embiid? Joel Embiid, I told you, he's got 22 in his career. Draymond's got 19, albeit four of them being flagrant twos. Draymond Green has 19 flagrant fouls called. Why do I bring that up? Because Joe Dumas, the executive VP of the NBA, the disciplinarian who handed down the suspension to Draymond Green, a former bad boy Detroit Piston, by the way, he said the excessiveness of the stomp on Sabonis' chest by Draymond, combined with Draymond's history, so history by Draymond is looked as a part of it, warranted the suspension. But Joel Embiid, who's played significantly less, less than half the career playoff games that Draymond has played, has more flagrants, by the way, in his career. Nobody's mentioned history when it comes to him. He's got to be suspended for game four. It's not going to matter because it'll end Monday night in game five because the, the Nets simply can't deal with Philadelphia because Embiid is too imposing and he's got the right parts around him. And Tobias Harris, Tyrese Maxey, James Harden, even P.J. Tucker with two key rebounds, even Shake Milton, DeAnthony Melton. The list goes on and on. They just got too many weapons and they're too big for the Brooklyn Nets. It's just that simple. But it's a damn shame that this has to happen. This is the reason why I'm pissed off. Because, ladies and gentlemen, I'm tired of officials and I'm tired of the league office acting like a playoff game is just another game. It's not just another game. It is not just another game. You're trying to go for a championship. You got to pay a customer that you want everybody to pay attention to. You're talking about load management, lamenting load management. And players' availability. And you're using this to say, why are we cheating the fans? Let's make sure we don't cheat the fans. Let's make sure we give the fans what they want to see. But then an official could come, and depending on what mood he's in, just eject the dude who's the star in this game. Harden already had 21 points in the game in the third quarter. You don't eject him for something like that. It might be the worst ejection we have ever seen in NBA history. The worst ejection. Even more, even more heinous than the great Joey Crawford from years ago ejecting Tim Duncan while he was sitting on a bench just because Tim Duncan was laughing. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. 
You really can't. And it's a pretty damn shame that that had to happen. Speaking of load management, I said this on television. I'm going to say this here on this podcast again. (sighs) Kawhi Leonard didn't play Thursday night in game three against the Phoenix Suns. Obviously, the Clippers lost despite 40-plus from Norman Powell and 30-12 and from Russell Westbrook. They still lost. I just have to say it. I'm sick of Kawhi Leonard. I'm sick of him. Seriously. Why'd you just retire? I mean, the dude blackmails the Clippers in the moving heaven and earth to acquire Paul George because he was threatening to go to the Lakers if they didn't do what he wanted when they were trying to get him from his one-year stint in Toronto after winning the title there. They gave him everything he wanted. All the money, manicures, pedicures, helicopter rides, private planes, and they gave him everything. This brother has missed so many damn games, it don't make any sense. He's missed more than 50% of his games. I think him and Paul George have played like a grand total of three playoff games together. I mean, you just can't make this up. 22% of their games together altogether. Can't make it up. Can't make it up. And this brother drops 38 in game one, 31 in game two, going at Kevin Durant and Devin Booker and Phoenix. Series tied 1-1, walked off the court, looked fine, and then Ty Lue gets noticed the day of the game, he ain't available to play. Even Ty Lue said it was frustrating. See, this is what pisses me off. You get to a point where it's like, my God, I'm going to put it in perspective for y'all right now. This is Stephen A. talking. And I'd rather have Kyrie Irving than Kawhi Leonard. When the hell did y'all ever think y'all hear me say something like that? I'd rather have Kyrie Irving than Kawhi Leonard. I mean, stop the presses. I must be smoking crack, right? Well, let me help you out. Kyrie might do something that'll make the wrong headlines. But come playoff time, you got to see him get hurt for him not to be available. The legitimate injury, and I'm not questioning the legitimacy of Kawhi's injury. I'm saying his injuries coupled with low management. Paul George is injured. We saw him. We're wondering whether or not he's going to ever be available for the playoffs. We saw the injury. Kawhi Leonard's walking off the court. He looks just fine. He just dropped 31, and then we get news he's going to miss the game. You load managed all year. You missed the entire freaking season in 2021-2022. You had the whole damn year. You're getting all the money to get all the necessary medical treatment, all the technology in the world available to you. Your owner is one of the richest dudes on the planet. Anything he could do to have you on the court, you know he'll exhaust every means and measure. You play when you want. You practice when you want. You travel when you want. You eat when and what you want. Every damn thing is available to Kawhi Leonard. And what they get in return is sporadic commitment. I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry. I can't take it from him. I just can't take it. Oh, it drives me crazy. It really does. I'm just sick of it. You damn right I would take Kyrie over Kawhi because at least I know Kawhi, Kyrie going to play every playoff game. When the Brooklyn Nets got swept by Boston last year, Kyrie was in all four of the games. And this is me talking. Who told you that Kyrie's a professional at, at, at coming up with time to miss from work? He's got nothing on Kawhi Leonard. He's got nothing on Kawhi Leonard. Nothing. And for better or worse, with the headlines, with his positions on various issues from the earth is flat to the vaccine or whatever the case may be, Kyrie keeps you talking about the NBA. What does Kawhi do? It's news to see him show up at a press conference, let alone have one. He does absolutely, positively nothing to promote the game of basketball other than grabbing his lunch pail about 50% of the times to show up to work and then going home. He creates no buzz. There's nothing about him that's marketable. I got producers and people like that looking at me. I bet you you'd walk through the turnstiles to see Kyrie play. Are you walking through the turnstiles to see Kawhi? You know good and damn well you're going to go like this. Is he going to show up? I got one of our producers nodding his head at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd walk through the turnstile to see him play. I wouldn't be worried. I wouldn't be worried with his lying ass. Just 10 minutes ago, he said, it would be a damn shame if he don't show up to play when I go to this next game. You don't know. He does nothing to promote the NBA. Nothing. Russell Westbrook, hell, he creates headlines walking into the arena because you're wondering what outfit he's going to wear. We don't see Kawhi in a suit. We don't see him with some crazy, wild-out fashion outfit. We don't hear any any, 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 any quotes that are scintillating or, or substantive. We don't hear anything. He gives you nothing but his brilliance as a basketball player. And that, he says, you can have 50% of the time. You damn right I would take Kyrie Irving. If I'm an owner, I'm not talking about as a basketball player because Kawhi is one of the greatest. I'm talking about if I own a team and I need to attract an audience, I'm taking Kyrie Irving over Kawhi Leonard any day of the week. Any day. It just drives me nuts. Ty Lu, look at him. He's frustrated as hell. He's going to say all the right things. Probably believes it. But I don't know how you can support having a guy like Kawhi Leonard on your squad when you never, ever, ever know when he's going to be available. He's played 20, all 24 playoff games as a Toronto Raptor in 2019. Ladies and gentlemen, since 2019, he's played a grand total of 26 playoff games. A grand total. He didn't want to play in the bubble. Hell, they looked like they lost on purpose after giving up that 3-1 lead to Denver because they didn't want to be in the damn bubble. 
We all know the Clippers are one of the two teams, if not the only team that voted not to play in the bubble in Orlando years ago when COVID-19 struck. Kawhi was right there front and center. He didn't want to be there. That cost Doc Rivers his job. But I ain't going to go there right now. I could get on this, but the bottom line is I could get I, I could talk about this all day. But I got to get to Draymond. And I'll do just that in a second. You're listening to No Mercy with your boy. Back with more. Don't go away. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? I love Draymond Green. He's been on this podcast. I've been on his. I've known him for years. I'm very fond of him. Very fond of him. I think he's a basketball savant. I think he's a, a good man. He's a damn good brother. Um, but he gets buck wild with his emotions in games from time to time. I don't want to hear no nonsense about Oh, Draymond can't talk to the Sacramento crowd like that. They were going at him. He was going at them. It was all in fun. You want that type of fervor. That's what helped sell the game. I just finished speaking about selling the game. That's what I'm talking about. Long as there ain't no fighting, what's the problem? Sabonis grabbed his ankle. What about that? Just like Claxton instigated stuff with Embiid. What about that? We can't let the instigators off the hook. We got to take them into account, too. There's enough technology going around. You see what's transpiring on the basketball court. You can't let folks that's instigating with non-basketball-related stuff get away with stuff. You see the stuff the Sabonis was doing? Tripping dudes. Grabbed Draymond's ankle, hit him in the back before that, grabbed his leg before that. You ain't see that stuff? Refs didn't do anything about it. Draymond said, I will. Fair enough. But if you're Draymond, you can't put yourself in this position. Because if you're Joe Lacob, you're Steve Kerr and them, it's gotten a bit old. Especially when your three-point shooting percentage has dipped over the years. Even though it's a little bit better this year at 30% than the 29% or the 27% that you shot over the last three years. What I would say about Draymond Green is this. In a year like this where you're looking for a contract extension, and we all know that Golden State is the ideal place for him, and we all know they wouldn't have these championships without Draymond Green. We all know. You can act like you don't know all you want to. He's a great player. Just because he ain't a great scorer doesn't mean he's not a great player. Dennis Robin was a great player. He didn't score a lot. Draymond Green, at age 33, turning 34 in March, is still one of the best defensive players in the game today. But it would be a very bad look. A very bad look. If the Golden State Warriors, who showed up and showed out, Getting 36 from Steph Curry, 20 rebounds from Kevon Looney in game three, a must win game three scenario at the Chase Center in San Francisco against Sacramento. It would be a very bad look if Golden State plays like that, getting that collective effort from everybody and beat Sacramento in game three without Draymond 
And then Draymond comes back for game four. And they lose with Draymond. That would not be good for his future aspirations of getting his money. Specifically, if he's expecting to get it from the Golden State Warriors. I'm just saying that's important to point out. That's it. Outside of that, the last basketball items that I wanted to mention is that the New York Knicks are playing game three at Madison Square Garden Friday night. I said it before and I said it again. Cleveland don't know what's coming. New York stand up. New York stand up. This is what it's all about. The garden is a different, it's a different animal. I have no doubt that Donovan Mitchell is going to show up. The rest of them, I'm not so sure. They might have buttery fingers. They might be a little bit nervous. It's a different atmosphere that they rolling up into tonight. They got to be ready for this. New York will be ready. Jalen Brunson show up. Julius Randle show up. R.J. Barrett, how about it? How about it? But I believe in my Knicks. And I believe that game three, the pressure will be too much for the Cavs. Not Donovan Mitchell. The rest of the Cavs. And as a result, the New York Knicks will conquer in game three and go up 2-1 in this series. The last part I wanted to mention about basketball was LeBron James. Dylan Brooks, after Memphis, beat the Lakers in game two without Ja Morant. Nor Steven Adams or Brandon Clark. Managing to beat the Los Angeles Lakers. Managing to neutralize Anthony Davis. Dylan Brooks, the future Hall of Fame antagonist, because he's a, he's a Hall of Fame pest like Patrick Beverly is. Dylan Brooks was talking a lot of smack to LeBron James during the game, after the game. And I don't know what kind of damn glasses he had on. He sat up there and said he don't give a damn what LeBron James has to say. He's old. He's not what he used to be in Cleveland or Miami, whatever. LeBron James is a basketball savant, one of the top two players in the history of basketball, four-time champion, four-time league MVP, surefire first ballot, unanimous future Hall of Famer. He's all of these things. And, of course, he's smart enough to know that you don't compromise the success of the team because of individual objectives and agendas. But you got to kick his ass. I'm talking about figuratively on the basketball court. You got to bust his ass. Ladies and gentlemen, this is basketball. There's room for both. You can be team first, make the right plays, play smart basketball, think about the collective whole. You can do that and still find moments in the game to bust somebody's ass. Dylan Brooks said he don't respect nobody that don't drop 40 on them. Only time they've, the 40 points has been dropped on Dylan Brooks while he's been on the court was by Dame Lillard, Damian Lillard. Let me say this. LeBron James needs to be the second person. You got to bust his ass. You got to win the game and drop 40. You got to sit up there and look at it. You know what you got to do? I'm looking at my man Greg right now. Listen to me, Greg, when I say this to you. Listen to this analogy. Remember game six? In the, tw- in the 2016 NBA Finals, when the Cavs were down 3-1, one game five when the NBA gave 
LeBron James and them that stimulus package because they suspended Draymond Green after LeBron James shoved him for the floor and his feet kicked up and he got suspended for game five and then Iguodala and, and, and Andrew Bogut both got hurt in the game five that Draymond missed. So the Cavs won that game and then in game six, you remember when LeBron James blocked Steph Curry's shot and just sat up there and looked behind his shoulder like, get that, get that stuff out of here. Remember that? Remember that? That's how he got to treat Dylan Brooks tonight. If you could treat Steph Curry like that, you could treat Dylan Brooks. And I like Dylan Brooks. I'm not criticizing him. I like him chirping and talking smack. I like him getting in LeBron's face. I like him agitating folks like Phil Handy, the assistant coach on the Lakers, who should be a head coach in this league and should be one of the top candidates to Toronto Raptors interview for that job, by the way. I like that stuff. But let me tell you something. You got to bust his ass. That's what you got to do. You got to go on it. You got to look at Anthony Davis and go like this. You know what? You step out on the perimeter. Let me get let me get the ball in the post for a few minutes right here. And then after that, step out beyond three and let me show you that I got the J2. And after that, grab a rebound and take it coast to coast in the open court and let me show you what I'm going to do here too. You got to pull out your whole arsenal. I don't care if it's for five minutes. You got to bust his ass. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what we do in the game of basketball. That's why I was upset with the officials. Stop getting in the way of real basketball, basketball banter, basketball chatter, and basketball play. Stop getting in the way. Let them go. You LeBron James, going going at age 39, 20 years in this league. You look better and better shape and got a better game than anybody on the court against you. And a mid-level player compared to you is chirping like that and getting on your damn nerves. Handle your business. Handle your business. That's just one thing I had to say. I got some more sports to give you because I got a couple of football items to get into that are very, very important, by the way. Stuff you might need to know, so stick around. You're listening. To No Mercy with Stephen A. Back with more in a minute. This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? Something else we need to talk about because it's important. The NFL suspended five players. Uh... On Friday, they announced that on Friday for violating the league's gambling policy. Four of them were members of the Detroit Lions. One of them was named Shaka, as in Shaka Tony. He plays for the Washington Commanders. Um, according to NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport, uh, Jamison Williams, Quintez Cephas, Stanley Berry Hill, and safety C.J. Moore with Alliance suspended, and of course, Tony for the commanders. Williams and Berryhill received six-game suspensions. Cephas, Moore, and Tony were all suspended indefinitely and can apply for reinstatement after the 2023 season. So basically, Cephas, Moore, and Tony are out minimum for the entire 2023 season. The NFL later confirmed the suspensions. They said a league review uncovered no evidence indicating any inside information was used or that any game was compromised in any way. 
Obviously, the gambling policy prohibits anyone in the NFL from engaging in any form of gambling in any club or league facility or venue, including the practice facility per the league. The Lions, of course, uh, released a statement. They announced on Friday that they had released Cephas and Moore uh, following their suspensions. Okay, so those were two dudes that were going to be suspended indefinitely. They have now been let go by the Detroit Lions. Quote, as a result of an NFL investigation, it came to our attention that a few of our players have violated the league's gambling policy. Uh, according to general manager Brad Holmes, these players exhibited decision-making that is not consistent with our organizational values and violates league rules. We have made the decision to part ways with Quintez and CJ immediately. We're disappointed by the decision-making demonstrated by Stanley and Jamison and will work with both those players to ensure they understand the severity of these violations and have clarity on the league rules moving forward. Yeah, they ain't messing with Jamison Williams. That's a bad brother coming out of Alabama. They got a future. They need that. They, they need Jared Goff to be happy. They ain't fooling no damn body. But that ain't the reason I wanted to talk about this subject. What I wanted to say is that nobody can disagree with the NFL because we don't know the particulars. We don't know the details. And in the age of gambling, like we said, we introduced FanDuel. You know, we talk about FanDuel sports. You know, they're a sponsor for this show. You see other uh, various gambling uh, uh, outlets and, and stuff like that that support various shows and things of that nature. Gambling has become a fabric of the sports world on a legitimate level. It's always existed in the world of sports. Vegas exists for a reason, by the way. But the bottom line is now more than ever before, it's ingratiated themselves in the world of sports because it's been legalized. When the Supreme Court, I believe in 2018, gave the states, you know, rights to engage gambling in the world of sports, um, people have taken advantage of that. Um, I happen to know governor, former governor of New Jersey, Chris Christie, who, who, who was pushing for gambling to be a part of it. At one time, the NFL was saying it will never happen, it will never happen, it will never happen. They were completely opposed to it, but they ultimately had to accept the fact that this was a reality that just wasn't going to go away because there's just too much money to be made. If you're the NFL, if you're the NBA, if you're any of these sports leagues and you get a percentage point of gambling revenue, that equates to billions. Owners and leagues are not going to pass that up. So they want to make sure that's one of the reasons why you see with officiating, with calls and how they're very transparent and they're in front of the camera and the microphone and they're telling you what calls they made and they and why. And they go to they go they belabor the point of really explaining what's going on. They do so to legitimize their product, because what you can't have is the product being brought into question, the sincerity, the genuineness, the authenticity of the product. You can't have that coming into question because then it eradicates everything you're trying to accomplish while allowing gambling to ingratiate itself with your sport and vice versa. You can't let that happen. That's why they go through this exhaustive measures to show you that everything is on the up and up and everything is legitimate. That's why they do it. So I understand where the NFL is coming from. You've told the players if the players have violated the rules, hell with it. Got to pay the piper. Every time, however, I hear of a story like this and I hear of a suspension for one year and then we can revisit the situation and be reevaluated and stuff like that. You know who I find myself thinking about? Pete Rose. Pete Rose, Charlie Hustle, the greatest nickname in the history of sports. You know when you're a bad brother when your nickname is about hustle. It's about going all out. It's about giving all you have no matter what. 
all-time hits leader, Pete Rose. That's who we're talking about here. Banned for life from baseball because of gambling. Said he never gambled on his team to win, but clearly gambled on the sport. I have always been a supporter of Pete Rose for one reason and one reason only. I should say one reason only, but for one reason above all else. Murderers get, get a second chance sometimes. Murderers, rapists, some of the heinous amongst us see the light of day at some point in their natural lives. Why can't Pete Rose? That's the big thing for me. He's been banned from the sport since the 80s. He can't be a manager. He can't be a player. Okay, how are you going to ignore his resume and don't allow him to be inducted into baseball's Hall of Fame? How you going to do that? And oh, by the way, I often use this philosophy. Did they give the money back? When they talk about Barry Bonds and steroids, when they talk about Mark McGuire and steroids, when they talk about Sammy Sosa, even with his idiotic, you know, self bringing an interpreter to Capitol Hill, talking, you talking, you talking English when you hitting those home runs. And Medicaid has been very, very good to me. But all of a sudden, you on Capitol Hill and you needed an interpreter. That's Sammy Sosa. I've often said when McGuire and Sosa were going after. All-time single-season home run record once held by Roger Maris. When Barry Bonds shattered all those records, y'all had the cameras following him everywhere. Did you give the money back? Did baseball and the networks that covered baseball, did anybody give back the money that those athletes generated? Because if you didn't give the money back, then why hold the stuff against them for the rest of their lives? And in that case, I'm talking about Pete Rose. And in that case, I'm talking about Barry Bonds. See, Sammy Sosa, who knows where the hell he's going. But Mark McGuire actually worked in baseball again. And I had no problem with it so long as Barry Bonds was allowed to do the same. Because we all know that Barry Bonds can teach a lot of people about the sport of baseball. That's just me. That's just me. Let me move on to something before I get on out of here because um, I heard some news about somebody that I don't know too well, um, but I've met him a couple of times. Mr. Larry Elder says he's running for the president of the United States. Ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> I don't have a problem with this. I know people are looking at me like I've lost my damn mind. Y'all are thinking about politics and policy. And how this black man that is Larry Elder. Sometimes in folks in certain folks eyes. Sound like Ted Cruz or Lindsey Graham or somebody like that because he is a conservative. I would say y'all are short-sighted. Here's why I don't have a problem with it. I want anybody, and I'm not saying he's going to pull it off by any stretch of the imagination because I don't think he would. He couldn't even win the gubernatorial seat in California. How are you going to win the presidency over somebody like Trump? But we all know that Trump is a problem. Again, I'll leave it to y'all to get into the politics. I'm not talking politics. I'm talking about being a divisive force. What you don't need is Trump 
winning the Republican nomination and telling everybody in advance that if I don't win, the election was rigged. What you don't win, need rather, is Trump while he's campaigning for that last year before the 2020 or 2024 election, telling everybody, yo, our systems are rigged. And bringing into question all of our institutions, dis- diminishing faith in our democracy. That's more damaging than anything else because that's the kind of stuff that's going to cause riots in the streets and violence in the streets. So anybody that's willing to take him on on the right side, meaning the Republican, the conservative side, whether it's a Larry Elder or Ron DeSantis, who's got his own problems, or Governor Chris Christie, or anybody like that, hell, I'm supportive because the person that's in the White House has to be somebody that supports unity in America. And if you're not doing that, it's not going to be anything but chaos. And how do we benefit as a country if that happens? If Trump was on here on no mercy with me, I'd tell him that to his face. I wouldn't even bring up policy. I'd be like, you, you're, you're hell-bent on being a divisive force unless you get your way. That's my problem. That's what can't be tolerated. And in the case of Larry Elder, I got to tell you something. I've met Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, once. Kind of like him as a guy, as a person, personality. I'll be damned if I like all of those taxes in California. I ain't going to lie to you. I, I just can't take it. I mean, it, it's unbelievable. I mean, they just invent ways to come up with more uh, ways of how to take more of your money in California. And, and, and you know what the sad part of that about it is? They know they could get away with it because of the weather. If it wasn't for that damn weather in Southern California, they couldn't pull this off. They couldn't pull it off. I'm telling you. But when you know the palm trees and the sunshine and, and, and 80% of the years, 80 degrees are better, I mean, it, there's a lot you're going to tolerate. They call it a weather tax. Now, I don't understand how the weather tax is applicable in Northern California because, damn it, it's like living in New York. It's cold as hell. And when you see the streets of San Francisco and when you hear about the violence, the homelessness, and everything else, when you see... Literally possums living in the walls of Oakland Coliseum in Oakland, California, to the point where the A's are trying to move to Vegas. I mean, it's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of problems in California. But when it comes to San Diego and L.A. and places like that, Temecula and and Lord knows, Long Beach, I, I don't know. Anything that involves the weather, Being similar in Southern California, that's what Gavin Newsom and those politicians in California are living off of. And I know this about Larry Elder. He ain't trying to raise your taxes. Whether you like him or not, he's going to be pro-business. He's going to be about generating money for the state. 
and more money in your pocket. Now, I ain't telling you to vote for him or not vote for him. I'm not going there. I don't know enough about his background. I don't know enough about what all of I know he's a conservative. I don't know all of that stuff. But I know in the state of California, they make me feel like if they could walk away with 80% of your money and you have 20, they would be fine with that. I can tell you this much. I'm not fine with that. I don't give a damn what anybody else says. Again, I don't know Gavin Newsom that well either. I'm not telling anybody to take sides. I'm just saying you should be about keeping more money in your pocket. That's just me. My last point that I wanted to bring up was um, Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly obviously spoke once Fox News had to uh, pay, it was announced that they lost their lawsuit with Dominion voting and had to pay $787.5 million in settlement. And Bill O'Reilly spoke out against Fox News. He said, hey, essentially, when he was doing it, they were about telling you where he stands, how he feels, and what he thought the truth was. Why you got folks now that are more preoccupied with trying to tell people what they want to hear. That's what he said. I only have one comment about that and one comment only. And I want people to know that I said this about Bill O'Reilly. Regardless of what troubles he had that led to his departure from that network, I will remind everybody that man was number one for over 15 years. Every week, Every month and every year for over 15 years, if anybody has a right to say something about them, he does. His quote, big energy in liberal media corridors as Fox News is punished for foolish coverage of the 2020 election. Riley O'Reilly said in a statement on his website. This is what happens when money becomes more important than honest information. Since I left Fox News Corp, the template changed from fair and balanced to tell the audience what it wants to hear. That's what he said. Fox News saw it differently and now payment has been rendered. But the nightmare will continue. Because he's saying more lawsuits are coming. Hey, that's how he feels. And he gets interviewed by Hannity all the time. I've been interviewed by Hannity all the time. Other folks on there are in a pinch. I'm not going to castigate and blast the whole network. I like, you know, a few of those folks over there. Neil Cavuto is one of my favorites. I ain't apologize for that. And you know I'm friends with Hannity. But at the end of the day, 
Bill O'Reilly has a right to say what he said. And who the hell's going to disagree with him after that ruling came down? Till next time, y'all, I'm out. Enjoy your weekend. That's it for this version, this episode of No Mercy. As always, you don't have to know sports to know mercy, but it always helps to know it both. And then some. Peace and love, everybody. Till next time. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey company in association with Stephen A. Podcast Productions. Episodes of No Mercy are available now for free wherever you get your podcasts.